Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report, week commencing 25th of March 2019. Let's start with Aussie Rape. Slight improvement, 305x farm for old crop, 300x for harvest still. We've discussed this the last few weeks. My attitude is ditch it, get it done, move it. Yep, it's improved five quid on the old crop, hasn't changed on the new crop. I think I stick to that. I'm bored with that one. Moving on to wheat. We actually last week predicted a bit of a it stopped going down. It might uh, start moving sideways or up. Well, we you know if you judge us on a week by week basis, that's uh, been good advice. Longer term, we're all completely clueless with our our uh, dysfunctional government. So. I think old crop wheat is um, being bought at the moment by consumers and farmers are just frozen with the idea of lots of work to be done, a dry week ahead, sugar beet, potatoes in in, in East Anglia uh, to be planted, lots of jobs to do so they can happily ignore the dynamics of selling grain. So uh, very little farm activity and plenty of grain being bought by consumers. So the market is moving up and I see it staying in that mood for the time being. So values X farm have improved. If you took May, approximate value about 162 X farm. Yeah, and I think there's no great rush at this point. On new crop, also an improvement, nearly back up to 140 delivered to store for harvest movement. 139 is its current value. On the volumes being traded, probably if you waved it around, someone would pay that price. November X farm 141. Feed barley, not a lot to say, it's slightly better. We, we said it won't go down anymore, so you'd easily make 130x. If you had feed barley to sell and you offered it, um, yeah, you'll get someone to pay a little bit more than 130, I think. But it's kind of not very liquid. There's a few people trying to buy it. It's very cheap against wheat, so it, it, it will remain at that price or better. The new crop, still don't want to play on that one either because... We don't know where the hell we are with our with tariffs or not tariffs, how long this extension is going to go on for. I mean, by the time this recording goes out, you might know a lot more, but I have my doubts. Um, we've had uh, our Prime Minister going on and denying any uh, responsibility and saying it's all Parliament's fault, which I think has been described as mildly irritating by a number of people. I think you can tell by my tone uh, where I stand on that one. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're in a political misery. I think the good news is there's a few weather issues around the world that we're definitely getting more and more aware of. As a trader, I think I need to keep a short position on UK wheat because we're vulnerable to a terrible deal or something making the pound collapse and tariffs come in or the pound suddenly strengthening. So I've got to keep short because these are good prices and I will maintain a short position in the UK. But... My view is that if the, if the world's going to rally, it will come from the cheapest possible source. And the market that's had the biggest kicking recently is the American market. Mr. Trump took away some of the insurance promises for farmers or suggested that's what he wants to do. And the price has gone down because of the trade war and because of um, slow exports and so on. So looking around, that's probably the cheapest place. And if there's going to be a rally in anything, that will be the place that the world goes to to buy it. 
I think also we nowadays have the declaration of where funds or big money is in terms of contracts, whether they're long or whether they're short of them. And the, the fund money seems to be short of Chicago contracts for corn and wheat. And on that basis, if there's a problem, they will be the ones that come in like, like a crazy bunch and buy it all at once and suddenly send the market rocketing up if there's a weather market. So my tactic as a trader at the moment, uh, short UK... Uh, I need protection against a world weather market. So as a hedge, I am buying American corn or wheat options or futures. And I think as a reasonable arbitrage or hedge, I think it gives me the best of both worlds. It covers me against a terrible disaster in the UK. And it covers me if the world decides to go up because of a weather problem of which there are a few brewing. So now you know my innermost thoughts. Have a very lovely week's trading. I'm in uh, Warsaw this week at the Malting Barley Conference with a whole load of maltsters, brewers and grain traders, so I should have a fairly unhealthy liver by the end of all that. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for our feature. Today I've got with me Paul Temple who is the chairman of the AHDB Cereals and Oilseeds. That's correct. Well, welcome and thank you for driving all the way down to uh, Norfolk to see us today. Well, it's a real pleasure because it gives me a chance to see what's happening in Lincolnshire and Norfolk on the way here. Yeah, and there was a long, long period of travelling, wasn't there? <laughs> Very slowly as well. Well, we, we, we love the A17 because it means that uh, people don't pick our wheat up from our stores and we get lots of rent because it's such a terrible road. So long may it be slow and arduous. <laughs> anyway, you, you, your, your job um, is you farm and you have this role at the AHDB. Which is your day job? Oh, my day job is firmly the farming bit. So we're cereals, uh, oil seeds, vining pea growers up in East Yorkshire, and we have a suckler beef herd as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that is firmly my day job. Uh, It also makes me a levy payer. So that puts um, me firmly in the right place when it comes to being involved with AHDB as well. Okay, so now how many years have you actually been with AHDB? I first, that's a really good question actually, I first joined the Cereals and Oil Seeds Board seven or eight years ago, but I've been in this position for four years now. Right, so so seven or eight years, and, and how much, has, has your time expanded dramatically because of Brexit? Yes, it has, without a shadow of a doubt. It's created so much more work um, because of the uncertainty and trying to think of, of every situation we might be facing. That's what part of our role is. So are you down at uh, Stonely a large amount of the time or do you, do you, are you able to do it from home? Uh, I can do a lot of the sort of backdrop work at home. Um, we don't tend to sort of, we no longer have sort of a routine of going to Stonely. This is a UK position and we do take in Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland. So I try and spend the number of days I've allocated to getting around as much as possible. So you can manage lots of the stuff from your farm office. I mean... You, you spend how many hours of the week ploughing away at your desk? Um, 
I have a commitment for two days a week with the HDB, um, and that's on the main board as well as seals and oil seeds work. It is a fair commitment. I do tend to do probably a little bit more, but I find it an absolute fascinating privilege to be able to do this work because you get an insight into your country, your, your industry, uh, and the whole of the food supply chain that you wouldn't otherwise in my normal world as a farmer. So, so two days and seven evenings. Yeah, it can be a bit like <laughs> that. And do you get many many farmers directly contacting you? Do you have have all of a sudden out of the blue somebody from somewhere going bang with an email? Um, occasionally, what you tend to do is only get people telling you when you've done things wrong or <laughs> when they're missing out. And, and actually, I think that it's a, I have no problem at all. You know, that's I, I appreciate that uh, we take a you know, a substantial amount of money from the industry. And if somebody has a, a grievance or a problem or not, uh, they don't think we're doing it right, I'm more than welcome for them to pick the phone up and, and speak to me face-to-face. We also have board members scattered around the country. So um, mm. if, if there's any chance of putting the awkward ones through them first, that's my first route. <laughs> so, I mean, it must be fascinating as, as, as we head into this, this period of the unknown, um, I mean, you as an as a organisation are looking at how the money's best spent, what's the next thing to do. Have you got a clear picture of what the future holds post-Brexit? I, well, I've always had a very clear picture that um, whilst we might not know the detail uh, that will arise out of Brexit, the direction of travel uh, is fairly obvious. We're going to have to be better at what we do. We're going to have to be smarter with our supply chain and our connections into that supply chain. And we've got to be better at risk management because we are undoubtedly going to be in a more uncertain um, situation once we're outside the European Union. Mm. And, and, and the dynamic of politics, I mean, being a farmer who are not, not always renowned for the greatest uh, political skills or diplomatic skills, how, do you, how have you sort of managed to curb the natural tendency to tell them how it is? You don't tell them how it is for very long. Uh, I, I always use my father as a great example. If, if you, For those of us who've had to work with a father, it's a case of making sure what you want becomes their idea. <laughs> and then once it becomes their idea, it becomes an immediate success. So there's an element of that. If you can work with your, your, your older generations, you, you, you pick up diplomatic and political skills quite quickly. I think the challenge we've got nowadays is... So many of the people we meet in politics are are very good politicians, but they don't know the outside world. Mm. And that's the difficult bit, I think, you know, trying to get across what the reality of of world markets is, food supply chains, has been a real problem, especially through Brexit. Well, the the general public have a very, very poor uh, assessment or knowledge of where food comes from. And if people as a People are professional politicians or, or diplomats. In, inevitably, they also will know nothing much about it. You know, I'm, I'm now a grandfather, so unfortunately I, I do have a degree of crossing the generations. And so you, I appreciate my parents' generation had lived in rations. And so it, it, it still imparted upon them the desire not to waste food and the, they really value the kind of quality and array of food that they've got. Mm. And now I look at uh, my children's generation that have grown up with supermarket shelves that have had 24 hours a day, seven days a week, pretty much whatever you wanted, and at extremely low cost. Strawberries 12 months of the year doesn't make strawberries very special, does it? 
it doesn't. And um, I, I don't quite know how we get away from that. I, I don't really fancy the turmoil that goes with it that will actually create that sort of reconnection. So I think for all of us in the industry, and we were talking about this earlier, trying to to make our best efforts, uh, and especially through um, new s- social media outlets, mm. to connect people into what we're doing and open ourselves up is really important. And I've often had um, farmers, and when I was involved with the NFU, uh, members saying, well, what can I do? And, and genuinely, if you just talk to the public and encourage them onto your farm, pretty much every farmer I know has a great story behind them. And uh, and we now have some, I think, some really exciting young men and women that are really gifted communicators. And the smart trick for farming is to to give them the platform. I, I agree. I think. I mean, even well, this this small podcast has gone out. I thought it'd just be Norfolk farmers, and it's it's spreading further and further afield but more importantly it's spreading outside agriculture um we, we've had feedback from people that have got nothing to do with it asking us questions about things we've joked about or made a hash of um and if if this which is being directed in the direction of the grain trade specifically um has gone out there and and and, and educated people then you know the ahdb possibly could Maybe that's an area that you could have a, a, a target. Um, but I, I, I think there is a big world to be tapped into when it comes to social media. and It fascinates me. Um, we, we have a couple of members that are uh, involved with Twitter. Uh, and um, it has its pros and its cons, but its reach is quite staggering. You've and, got more and, than a couple who are involved with Twitter. And, and how it connects in. The, the, the only thing that you've got to be careful of is you have to think before you tweet. Ah, uh, and like certainly Donald, after two, like in my case, two glasses of wine and, and something bad on the news isn't the best time for me to start using Twitter. That is a fact. <laughs> no, I, agree. I, I think you, you do learn not to say those things, but, but it, it is... The fact is, you can get a very short, sharp message out there, and and it is we're we're in our fifties, and uh, yeah, he nodded, <laughs> uh, and you know it's the generation below us that are just as a matter of course, their thumbs are further developed than ours, and they're they're tapping away all the time. If you know the body like the AHTB or, or or NFU or somebody started getting information out there on a, on a page that was listened to by lots of people, the dynamic isn't just bare facts, but it is delivered in a way that a modern person wants to take it on board, which is with humour or with, I don't know, something that, that, that engages with them. Well, we, we can put visuals over so much more easily than we ever could do, and you can do it in real time. And um, I always think it's interesting when you get either a, um, a specific issue in the media or the weather. Mm. Um, the ability to connect people to what's happening on a farm in the weather and the way people pick it up is far greater than it ever was. Um, it shows the kind of dilemma there is for the print media now mm. because in many ways print media isn't the way people get their news uh, and we have to sort of think about the immediacy of, of, of the modern channels compared to the past channels. I, 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 my observation about tweets or, or social media from the farming sector generally is there is a tendency at times when the weather's being adverse or something's gone wrong to, to, to portray a little bit of self-righteous or a little bit of victimhood. And and reality, that just creates more animosity. I, I think that the only route to the modern generation is humour. I think I think that you can make a point with humour and, and, and get sympathy and get understanding because you're not antagonising at the same time. Yeah, well, um, 
humour is certainly a, a, a critical part of that. And uh, I think being positive. Uh, I think yeah. pretty much everybody has problems in the world. Um, what they really want is somebody who looks like they're going to solve problems, not add to those problems. And, um, you know, farming has its share is- uh, fair share of issues, but we are a remarkably fortunate industry in the sense that uh, we're involved in something that I think is is a positive force for the good in the sense of food, but we're also intimately involved in the environment. Uh, and it's just a great place to work. Mm. The AHDB have got a lot of work ahead. I mean, the, the, this um, our future is very uncertain. Brexit has not gone through. You know, you're not you're not going to know the direction you need to head in for, for a time. When you get some clarity on that, um, where do you see the bulk of your effort going in terms of message or in terms of information? Well, the the first bit will pretty much depend on on. If we don't get a deal or we do get a deal and then what that deal entails, um, so we will tailor a, um, a lot of our work according to the sort of decision that hopefully might come out before the end of March. But in many ways, we've sort of started the process in terms of, of making businesses what we call fit for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this isn't just about size. It's a case of think, thinking about you know where a business is going to be in 10 years' time, not just in two years' time. Uh, and trying to plan accordingly. Uh, and, and everybody's circumstance is going to be slightly different, but I think what we've done through a variety of publications, and we're, we're, we're really pushing um, uh, benchmarking at the moment, mm-hmm. is to, to genuinely get people to look at their business um, and, and trying to, to be as honest as they can about where their business is and what it might, needs to do to get it into a better place for the future. Yeah, your Monitor Farms program is is certainly that's that the Monitor Farm one's great, and in in many ways it, it echoes what a lot of people say around the world. If you put a group of farmers in a room together and facilitate them, they will learn readily from one another. Uh, and unlike in any other other industry that I know of, they will readily share with people what works and importantly what doesn't work. Mm, absolutely. I think it's, it's time to... to, to, to I, found, I made an observation about uh, a, a really funny joke to farmers that um, when you talk to anybody else on the planet, they don't laugh. And that's the what's the difference between a good farmer and a bad farmer? I have no idea. <laughs> about a week. You see, you've laughed. Now, if you say that to anybody else on the planet, they look at you like you're some sort of strange person and waiting for the punchline. And it is immensely funny to farmers. So if you've got any accountants or land agents out there who want to crack a funny joke at a farmers meeting, there it is, boys. I've nailed it. Um, I think, I mean, we, we, we're... we're um, I've got some questions about Yorkshire and Norfolk, obviously. The, the first one is, which one is God's County? Well, that's, that, that has to be the easiest and simplest um, answer of all time. Yorkshire, obviously, but I just just to put a little bit of detail in it, Yorkshire is not just Yorkshire. There are North Yorkshire and West Yorkshire and East Yorkshire. Okay, so which part of Yorkshire? Uh, 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 and East Yorkshire is what I call the best-kept secret. But my wife comes from West Yorkshire, and um, she so, might have a slightly more robust view on that one. So... But... <laughs> uh, I'm not going to, but no, I have a real Norfolk's one of my fa- genuinely is one of my favourite counties because it, it it has a great deal of similarity. We're sort of out there slightly to a side, it and it feels like a real farming county. 
Oh, it's with, without a doubt, it, it, it is a definite farming county. Um, we've got water to the north and the east, and and yeah, it's. Um, I don't go to Yorkshire much, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> you didn't show any appetite to go to Yorkshire, to be perfectly well, honest. I, have, I think I stopped at a service station a couple of times, and I've been to Beverly once. But, yeah, no, I, I must make a point. I'll come and see you up there. Anyway, I, 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 think, um, I think you got your work cut out at HDB. I think, I think it's going to be a very, very tough two years. And, you know, I, I think the industry's behind you in trying to make the understanding get out to the general public and to support farmers through what's going to be a very difficult time. Your monitor farms, your benchmarking, they're phenomenally good projects and, and, I, and I applaud you for that. I know you're trying to find the, the, the right way to spend the money and, and, and what to do for the future. So, you know, it's you've got support from what's left of the grain trade. Um, the farming community will need your help. So I, I congratulate you and, and thank you for the time that you're putting into it. No, well, thank you very much. And uh, I mean, genuinely, if anybody has anything they feel we're missing um, or we should be doing, then then please pick up the phone. That's great, and I'm sure they will. Anyway, thanks, thanks very much, Paul. Thank you. And now it's time for farm chat. So it's uh, it's beer time again, and I'm uh, I'm here with Josh this week. Just got back from a skiing holiday, and uh, so we've got a sample of beer first. Josh has just come back from the supermarket, and we've got it's pretty trendy. I've got to say, it's um, very hipster <laughs> brew dog punk IPA in a cool looking can. It's nice, yeah. They've spent a lot of money on their packaging, and it shows. It's good. Yeah, well, I'll just crack the top of that lovely can. Um, you're going all full hipster, drinking out. I oh, spilt it. Uh, drinking out the can, and I'm uh, going to go for the old school method out of a glass. Oh, so, uh, what do you reckon, then, Josh? Give it a go. Mm. Mm. I don't often. Uh, nice. Probably uh, repeating the usual, but there aren't many beers I don't like that. But that's a really good beer. Lovely. That is a very good beer. And also, I had it when I was away in Austria last week, and it still tasted good. So uh, yeah. it travels well as well. It's important. Just give me my uh, training. I'm off on my stag do this afternoon. So um, On yeah. your stag do? Your second no, not my <laughs> stag. Yeah, my second I'll probably treat it like my second stag. But yes, yeah, so, so I've blown the, uh, the top off at the first frosty one of the day. So uh, yeah, yeah an interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how... Uh, Good a festival I'll be next week, but um, yeah. No, well, considering I got back from skiing a week ago and I still sound pretty awful, I think, yeah. You're not it's almost like fresh as flu, Josh. It is fresh got, as flu, yeah. it? 100% fresh as flu. Worth it at the time, but the uh, consequences yeah. are dreadful. And it's awful after that. But anyway, whilst, whilst you've been away, you've missed the rugby, a bit of a roller coaster finish. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, I, I remember I was listening to the England game. Uh, I got in my car at half-time and I was driving... I was near the shard when I think roughly when uh, I, Scotland started drawing with England. So yeah, if, if you could give me any sort of rundown, that'd be great. Let's say it was, it was quite a good game. I mean, first half England absolutely bossed it and completely smashed them, and um, there was an awesome little uh, Chris. Is it Slade? Slade backhand yeah, pass, Slade, yeah. wicked. It was really good fun to watch, and then. Um, the Scottish blood came at me in the second half and I started backing Scotland because I'm <laughs> dual nationality and uh, had my kill on. And no, the Scots had an incredible second half game and uh, it's like the classic cliche, game of two halves. But um, yeah, good, exciting game rugby, sadly for England, you know, it didn't, didn't 
come across. We didn't get the uh, win, but no, a good good tournament. We we did have to um, laugh a bit, and sort of Andrew was uh, getting really pissed off with. Um, or it was in the office on Monday morning and talking about Alan Wynne Jones and how he's a cheating git, and you know, mm. old wily old boy. God, I've heard that enough times. Yeah, yeah I know. He was, he was on he was on one, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, as a Sekiro myself, and probably the wrong side of uh, 30 still to be playing. And um, yeah, I thought he was well within his right to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cantankerous old git, which is probably like me on a pitch as well. Yeah. I think um, talking about the Welsh, there's uh, there's one that does kind of wind me up, which is Eddie Butler. I know, you know he's meant to be very down the line and straight, but I do find him relatively biased towards the Welsh when he says things like, here we go, as opposed to here <laughs> they go. Uh, he's talking about his own team compared to other teams. It's just a small example. Um, and, yeah. you know, he, on the whole, he does a very good job, but I do find him, especially when it's Wales, England, or if it's anything against England for Wales, and he's, he's, he's you know, his colours come out anyway. Casual biasness there. Yeah. But the, uh, it was also a good weekend. Um, ben Young's had his 85th cap for England, which is phenomenal. That's such an achievement. And he's um, the highest cap scrum half for England. Yeah, that is um, that is uh, that is amazing. If you consider there's you know Matt Dawson won the World Cup with England. He was, I think he overtook him, didn't he? Yeah, be, yeah. So, so which is unbelievable. So congratulations yeah. to him. Great little plug. One of our customers as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I think I've probably uh, dropped this in previously. No pressure, but we'd love to see one of the young boys on here and. <laughs> Like a pre-World Cup kind of uh, little chat and a bit of banter, see what they think. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it would exactly. uh, make our year. So uh, no, no pressure, guys. Talking about podcasts and, and rugby, there's um, a cracking uh, podcast. I don't know if anyone's listened to, it, but the um, the rugby pod that's um, well worth a listen. If you if we've wet your whistle in terms of getting involved in podcasts, so definitely subscribe to that. It's got. Andy Good is a presenter. He's quite a character. He's um, constantly taking the piss. It's a really oh, good laugh. It's, weirdly, it's good my, my brother actually works in the same industry as Andy Good, and Andy Good's meant to be a really, really quite, quite good fun. He's to, funny, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. So and there, there are loads of good rugby podcasts. I think Will Greenwood does a good one. Does he? Uh, and David Flatley does a really good one as well. That's really popular with quite a few of my friends and. Flats and Shanks. Oh, Flats and Shanks, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. really very good because they're good. They're old. They used to live yeah. together and they're just uh, very, it's very Old funny. school changing room band. Exactly, yeah. 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 So our podcast has um, sort of piqued my interest generally in pods and I've been sort of searching around and um, subscribing to uh, general and quite broad subjects. But there's there's some pretty good ag ones out there, isn't there? I don't know if you've subscribed um, Yeah, no, but I'm the same, actually. I, I wasn't really into podcasts. And then um, and then since we've started doing them, I've listened to those and, and a few others, and there's some really good ones. But isn't there one by the Sword Association, which is meant to be... Yeah, there's well, there's this is a new one that's been launched, Sword Association. It's You don't have to be wearing sandals and white socks for this one, but it's an organic <laughs> podcast. Um, ben loves a bit of organic. And, and no, it's just general farming, but... Um, a broad, yeah, a broad introduction. Um, there's there's another one we had. I mean, we, he featured on our podcast last week. But Ben Eagles, meet the farmer. That's really good. Definitely That's, worth worth a listen. Yeah, okay, I'll give that a go. Really nice guy. Um, rock and roll farming. He's quite established. This guy called Will Evans. I'm not sure where he is in the country, but he had quite a um, profile. I think he even featured on Country File um, several okay. weeks ago. Yeah, um, well, you know. maybe that's something for us to do, aspire to. Maybe one day that'd be quite cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Local grain merchant on. I'm not country file. not just a face for radio. <laughs> I can uh, get myself on there. Um, so Will Evans, who's he had on? He's had um, Adam Henson, 
who's obviously country file. Minette Batters, that's quite a profile. Yeah, she's she's brilliant. I, yeah. I really rate her. I saw her, we saw her at the Northern Farming Conference and I thought she was yeah. brilliant. So. Um, Small Robots, who's featured with us. That was quite a cool pod yeah. that we had. Um, we, we just had... Um, Talk about pods farming today. You can subscribe to it's the radio for um, that you can listen to at your own convenience. And uh, Anna Hill, the presenter there, who I think Claire met at the Norfolk Farm Conference. So I think hopefully we were going to um, see if Anna will uh, feature in one of our podcasts soon. Yeah, so that'd be good. So the other one, Josh, and uh, you got me into this, but you're obsessed with Caliphate, aren't you? What's what's Caliphate? Um, yeah, something I've now listened to like three times, which is pretty sad, but. Uh... It's a uh, podcast which is uh, about ISIS, which is written um, and produced by uh, a New York Times journalist called Rukmini something or other. And she's fantastic. She goes into so much detail, uh, interviews ISIS fighters, ex-ISIS fighters, um, physically goes out there, sees the documents and all the things they've got. And it it might sound a bit deep, and I suppose it is, but it is is really interesting. Um, It does sound interesting, something different away from the norm. It is, and the, the way it's produced is so is so interesting and so fantastic um and it's really compelling they they make a it kind of gives you a different perspective than what you see and and yeah it's definitely definitely worth listening to i think the first episode is only six minutes long so you know it's only six minutes out of your life if you don't like it you don't have to listen to it ever again but if you do like it you know you've got another 12 episodes to listen to so very very well worth it i'll have to uh, have to sign up and uh, see what i think I, I i heard that you were quite a fan of um a podcast my dad wrote a porno <laughs> no, it is, it's very good Do you know i had um a long trip uh we were going to a wedding in wales and we listened to it consecutively all the way over there i think it was we took the wrong route and it was about six hours so we pretty much smashed out a whole a whole series but it is it is brilliant there's some quite cringy moments but yeah. it's um well 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 worth a listen Belinda blinked Belinda Blinks, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, so any anyone who hasn't, I've got to say, actually, number one, subscribe, download to uh, my dad wrote a porno. You won't be disappointed. So on that note, I mean, we're we're always keen to um, hear of new podcasts, whether ag related or just gen- generally anything that's um, interesting or, or good for a bit of a laugh. So if um, anyone thinks of any or can recommend any, please chuck it on our Twitter page or Facebook. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731550 or email info at uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tin Shed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 